The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered right. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. So the blessed that we celebrate today, blessed Columba Marmion, one of my favorite writers in the spiritual life, uh, again because of the centrality of all of the mysteries of the life of Christ in his writings. Uh, he goes on to title a lot of his, his books as Christ, the life of the soul, Christ, the life of the monk, Christ, the life of the priest. Everything is focused on the person of Christ and his mysteries. He had beautiful insights into the fact that Christ and his mysteries still, again, fill us with power. They, they radiate power and virtue from them. And so simply to meditate on the mysteries of Christ, to celebrate them in the liturgical context, is to receive from those mysteries of Christ the graces that is contained within them and the virtues that are contained within them. And so that's a powerful, uh, it's a powerful thing to know for, with regards to the spiritual life which is that what we lack can not only be found in Christ in terms of Christ as an example, but also when we look at these things in the life of Christ, when we see in him particular virtues, and when we meditate upon them, and when we spend time praying with them, those virtues are communicated to the soul. Those virtues of Christ are given to us as the power of his mysteries still pours forth, the infinite power that comes to us through Christ. And so then we can turn our minds to the gospel and turn to the word and be not only instructed by it, but also transformed by it. 
transformed by the power of the mysteries of Christ, most especially in the Gospels. Behold a lawyer, it says, so someone who would have to know the law, who would have to know the word of God, comes and stands to put Jesus to the test. As we've said before, this putting Jesus to the test, the first time that we read of this in the Gospels is when Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert. But unfortunately now you have this group of people who have associated themselves with this type of spirit, a spirit that is anti-Christ, a spirit that is anti-the church. And what they do is they put together all of their efforts to try and get rid of the light himself, to try and get rid of the one who has come to cast light upon the earth, which is Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees at this point, they are united in their hatred for Christ. They put aside their hatred for one another in in so, so that they can be united in this effort to get rid of Jesus. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord, who never gives up on any soul, no matter how malicious they might be, he goes and he points to the source. What is written? What is written? How do you read it? How do you understand it? And he answers, he says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he gives the two two commandments of love. And then he says to the Lord, but who is my neighbor? After the Lord has told him that he has judged rightly. And Jesus, it says in the Greek, took this up. He takes it up as a challenge. He takes it up as a conversation. In the Greek, it says he welcomes it. He welcomes anyone who actually sincerely begins to investigate. What's happened is that this man has come to test Jesus, but all of a sudden he's been caught up in a dialogue with Christ and hopefully will be transformed. And so the Lord, in an attempt to transform his heart, gives him this beautiful parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And as we've said before, but just to recap, the church fathers, in their insight into this scene, They see this as the mission of Christ. And so that the man who is going from Jerusalem to Jericho is sinful mankind who falls from grace. He falls falls among robbers and thieves, those who strip because of sin from him all of the graces of the kingdom. And it leaves him half dead, meaning dead in the spiritual life. And by chance, those who were supposed to care for souls neglect the soul that they are supposed to care for. The priest and the Levite simply walk by, it says, on the other side, distance themselves from suffering and from this type of sin or this ministry to those who are in most in need. And then we can see this Samaritan who represents the person of Christ, who comes so that he might journey among us, but so that he might lead us into eternity. And he is different from the priest and the Levite He is not repelled by the suffering. He is drawn to it. His mercy draws him to need. And so as soon as he sees it, it says he is moved with compassion. But this word in the Greek means to be moved from right even deep within the bowels of a person, to be moved at their depths. At his depths, he is moved with mercy. And so he is drawn not only to the person's suffering, but also to their wounds. And he doesn't simply bandage them up, but it says he pours oil and wine upon them. 
It's an abundance, this act of pouring. It doesn't say he simply dabs the wounds. He pours upon the wounds this oil and this wine, which, as the Church Fathers say, represents Christ's grace, the grace of the Holy Spirit by the oil, and so the sacrament of baptism, and the wine, which is his own blood, which is the sacrament of the Eucharist, the sacrament of baptism by which we receive new life and are, have our sins washed away, and the sacrament of this new wine of his blood, his body and blood, by which we are strengthened for the Christian journey. And then he set him on his own beast, an image which the church fathers say represents how Christ carries us on his human nature, brings him to the inn, which is the church, in order to take care of souls, to take care and to continue this ministry that the Samaritan has begun. That is the operation of the church and the work of the church, to continue the work of the Good Samaritan, which is Christ. And the next day, he took out two denarii. That was very interesting. I read something yesterday, which is that a denarii in its, the actual word means containing 10, containing 10. And so what you have here is as the Lord is giving the new commandments of love, those greatest of the commandments, we can see that they contain within them the Ten Commandments. They contain within them all of the other commandments. The commandment of love is the fulfillment. It contains within it the law of God. Everything is fulfilled by love. Everything is made perfect by love. And so as he gives to the church these two denarii, it is this commandment to love, the twofold love, love of God and love of neighbor. And it is that that we operate with, the love of God. We are not concerned for the currency of this earth, but the currency of heaven, which is love. And then what happens if we act with that love, if we continue this work of the Good Samaritan that is Christ, there is reward for the labors. There is merit. Whatever you spend beyond these, which is impossible, <laughs> this is divine love. You will never exhaust divine love. But there is still merit for those who operate according to divine love. When we enter into heaven, not every soul will enjoy eternity to the same degree as another soul. The measure to which we will enjoy heaven is the measure to which we have loved on earth. Love is the beautiful virtue that expands our soul in order that we might receive more from God. In a certain sense, it stretches the wineskin, if you will, increases our capacity to receive God. The more we love, the more our capacity increases for God, and the more that we can receive Him and enjoy Him in, in eternity. Love is the measure of our judgment at the end, and love is the measure of our enjoyment of God in eternity. Amen.